0: Thank you for listening to Jubilee Tri-Valley's podcast. Today's podcast is part one of our sermon series entitled, God at the Office. Please enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the beginning of a brand new series called God at the Office. Did you see that cameo appearance? That was indeed Tom Selleck. He dropped in. Tom Selleck was here this past week to drop in and do a little special for us, and we thank him dearly for that. If you ever bump into him, you tell him we said thanks. So anyway, real quick, let's have an honest moment. How many of you have ever done that or something? Did you notice the stuntman skills that that requires to pull that off? Like Delano is really... That's G-status is what we call that right there, to be able to drive and pull all that off without wrecking and without dying. So kids, don't try that at home. That is a, a professional stuntman that did that. And so anyway, but anyway, how many of you really have ever, have you ever, uh, girls, I've seen you. Don't you lie in church. How many of you done your makeup in the car on the way to work? You're endangering us all. You know what they say about women drivers anyway, Okay. Don't make it worse. Guys, have you ever... You know why guys don't do that? Because they don't care as much. They are willing to go to work with some bad breath. They'll just throw in some gum. You know what I mean? They're willing to go with their hair messed up a little bit. Let's be honest. Guys, have you ever gotten dressed-ish on your way to work? Does anybody want to own that? Jeremy, raise your hand like you're sure. Come on. There you go. Don't give me a little half-wimpy raise. Oh, okay. Well, good, 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 good. I have never... But see, I'm the boss. If you just show up late, but nobody says anything to you. So anyway, um, anyway, we are starting a brand new series called "God at the Office." And here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me is our work consumes a great deal of our time. It consumes a great deal of our thought life. It's the reason why many of us are stressed. It's the reason why many of us are discouraged. It's the reason many of us come home and we are mad at the world and therefore we take it out on our wife or our husband. Sometimes, though, our work can be our greatest pleasure and we can feel the greatest sense of accomplishment because of our work. And so our work is a huge component of our life. Can I get an amen out there? Yeah, just... Yeah, it's just a big component of our life, and I figured it like this, um, if it's that big of a component of our life, God surely has something he would have to say about that subject, and so that's what we want to discuss as we look into this series, and we want to know, what does God have to say about it? And so as I started looking into this series, I thought, well, maybe I can milk three weeks out of this. I started putting it all together, and I came up with about like five or six weeks, and so um, so I don't have time to do five or six weeks. We'll have a guest speaker in just a few weeks. But I thought I can get through three weeks now, and then next year I'm going to bring back, you know, God at the Office again. So that'll be the title of it, God at the Office. Again. So anyway. Um, But I'm just going to whet the appetite and get you going here and get you started on God at the office over these next three weeks. I want you to be here every week because your work is such a huge component of your life. Now, let me ask you a question real quick here. Has anybody ever had, and excuse my language, but I don't know any other way to put this. Has anybody ever had a crappy job? You Raise your hand if you've ever had a crappy job. Crappy boss? More hands went up, (laughs) which says that your job was better than your, Danny, did you raise your hand? Dear Lord, you better watch yourself. Anyway, um, now if your boss is here, don't raise your hand or tell him it was like a previous job. Here's what I want you to you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to talk in church. Are you ready? This is what I want you to do because I want us to all share in this experience because we all have had it and I want you to turn to your neighbor on your right and your left and I want you to tell your neighbor what the crappiest job you ever had was. Are you ready? you have it in your mind? Some of you, it ought to be quick. You automatically know. Are you ready? Here's my, I'm going to give you mine. Check this out. I have two terrible jobs that I had. The first really, really terrible job that I had was, is when I was in Bible college and I was in between like semesters during the summer break, I needed some extra money and I already had a job, but to make a little bit more money, I went and like vacuumed out movie theaters at like 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, that is a terrible, terrible job. That is only superseded by the, the, the actual worst job I ever had, which is I worked and I didn't know. I didn't know. Please forgive me. Have you ever been called at your home right in the middle of dinner with some moron trying to sell you something? I, hey, look, I quit. I quit after three months. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't, it was the worst job I ever There's nothing worse than getting hung up on. And cussed at and then like judged and like, how dare you call me? And just like people just so, I could not handle it. I went home depressed every night and so I quit. So anyway, you got your job, 30 seconds, go. Tell your neighbor what your worst job is, go. You people apparently have not had the type of job history that I have had. How can you not have something to talk about right here? I didn't time this. Ten seconds left. Let's go with ten more seconds. Okay, real quick, did anybody, did anybody tell you a job that you thought was the absolute worst job you've ever heard of? Has anybody got nothing too bad? That's great. I'm going to give you a couple of my other jobs that I've worked. I used to work at a Christian bookstore. Um, I used to do construction as a teenager off the books. Um, I was too young It would have been slave labor or child labor and, um, But I got paid under the table Pretty good money I was doing construction work in the summertime as a teenager um, Yeah, I worked at a Christian bookstore for a little while What else? I, I worked at a men's clothing store Hi, we have khaki pants on sale today And um, I did I worked at a men's clothing store I worked at a Blockbuster Yeah, we don't even have those anymore Those are gone That's, Those are like dinosaurs, aren't they? I worked at a blockbuster for a little while, worked restaurants, I was a terrible server. How many of you have worked in the restaurant industry? Rent restaurant? Yeah, a lot of people have gone through the restaurant industry. I was terrible. You know how, like, and if you've ever had a bad server before, it just it just ruins your whole meal, doesn't it? And and I was that person. And so I was so terrible that when I first started doing it, I would make so many mistakes and I would say, I'm so sorry, I'm new here, and I'm still trying to learn. I said that line for a year, people. I, I played that line for a year because I was such a terrible server. And then what else? I think, I think that might be it. Is there? Oh, I worked at a Jewish deli. Yeah, I worked at a Jewish deli. I forgot about that. But so anyway, I've had a number of different jobs and a number of different bosses. And, and most of those jobs were kind of short and none of them were careers and none of them were, were anything I stayed in. I actually started working at a church, uh, full-time capacity work, started working at a church when I was uh, 19 years old. So most of my history. Sometimes early on in those first one or two years, I did part-time somewhere else to make a little bit more money. And most of those were teenage jobs or college jobs. And when you're in college, I don't know if you're like me, but you bounce around jobs often. Okay, good. So anyway, I'm so glad that you're here today and this morning and hopefully for the next few weeks, because I want to talk to you about your job and what God has to say about it. Because as a young person, as a young man, I used to think that work was a curse. Like, work was bad. Work was something I just had to do so that I could eat. How many of you felt like that or still feel like that? Yeah, you've had that before. Like, work is a curse. Work is... Because remember in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sin, God's handing out, like, punishment and, and, and discipline. And to the woman, he says this. And the serpent, he says this. But to the guy, he says something like... Yeah, you're going to have to work all the days of your life, and now you're going to have to fight against thorns and thistles. So I just took that scripture, and I thought, man, work is bad. In the Garden of Eden or in heaven, we'll never work. This will be just like permanent vacation, right? Woo! And I found out that's not true. That's not true at all. As a matter of fact, if you will, go to Genesis chapter 2 with me real quick here, and look at this scripture. Now, Genesis 2 is before sin. And this is what Genesis chapter 2 says. The Bible says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? Work it. Not like that, but like work. (laughs) To work and take care of it. So you need to know this. This is a huge opening thought I need you to swallow and embrace, because it will set the tone for everything else we say, is that God designed you to work And even takes pleasure in delight when you work well. And this is, because you gotta remember, Genesis chapter 2 was the Garden of Eden. This is before sin, this is before anything. So, the way God designed it in his original intent is that you and I would do what? I got like three people through here. Everybody say, work. work. And work well and do a good job. And God actually, I think, takes delight. I think God creates Adam, puts him in the garden, like, look at him go. He's like a farmer and a gardener and a, you know, look at him. God takes delight in the fact that you and I work and work is not a curse. Now, don't get it wrong. When sin came in, I think work became more difficult. And you'll always notice this in life. And this is a truism about all sin is that sin will always make you work harder in life than what God intended for it work has, or sin has a way of hurting you, damaging you, messing up your future, and you have to work harder to climb out of the mess that sin has put you in. This is why God hates sin. I mean, have you ever noticed that? You ever noticed that sometimes in life when sin has gotten the best of you and you've kept making just poor decision after poor decision? You know what the worst cause of sin is this, is that you end up in life with only two decisions and they're both bad ones. Like you only have two options and they're both terrible options. That's what sin does. So sin makes you have to work harder in life. Now how many of you want to work harder than you have to? Great, none of us do. And so God says, this is why we want to go back to a sinless environment and a sinless life so that we don't have to overwork ourselves or become workaholics, but rather we just work to the delight and the pleasure of our heavenly Father. Everybody say, okay. The other thing I want to share with you today before we get into like the text that Paul teaches us when he shows us how that we should view work is this, is that God thinks about your work differently than you think about your work. Because this is what I know about you. and This is what I know about me. We care where we work and we care how much we get paid for where we work. Can I get? Yeah, we do, don't we? Like we, that's not, I'm not, We're not shaming ourselves that's just the vantage point that we come from. We really, really care about where we work. That's why we always have our eyes set on some other place. That's why we're trying to climb that ladder. Or if we could just get into that company or that organization, or if I could start my own business one day. And so we have dreams and goals and desires and aspirations to where we work. And we're also thinking about that bonus. We're also thinking about that raise. If we could get that position, it would mean this much more money per month and per year, and this much more vacation time and on and on and on. So you and I, unfortunately, set our set, our set our sights on where we work and how much we get paid for where we work and that right there is going to lead you to some negative traps in life because let me show you what God's vantage point is God doesn't care nearly as much about where you work God doesn't even nearly care as much as how much you make for your work the number one thing that I found that God cares about when it comes to your work is how you do your work yeah, God actually cares how you do your work, and Paul backs this up. So if you have your Bible, go to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at just literally like two scriptures, and Paul jam packs so much into these two scriptures, and it kind of just sheds light on all of our issues, on all of our problems, and if we would just listen to Paul, if we would just trust these words from scripture, you and I would have such a better experience when it came to us and our work let's pray one time before we actually look into the text. Can we do that? Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that we have an opportunity to hear divine insight, divine wisdom. And God, we pray that we would take these words and the Lord God, that we would just imprint them onto our heart. God, we'd let our minds soak, that our mind would be renewed, that we would overhaul our attitude. And then God, we would walk out of these doors determined to live as you would have us to live and to think that's how you would have us to think, Lord. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. amen. So in Colossians chapter three, let me give you the context real quicker. We're just gonna look at two scriptures, but this is the larger, broader context. He starts off just kind of finalizing a letter to this church and he talks about wives. Wives, here's how I want you to treat your husbands and your marriage. Husbands, here's how I want you to treat your wives and your marriage. Parents, this is how I want you to treat your kids. And he just, kids, here's how I want you to treat your parents. And he's just giving these little insightful ideas on the core of value that we should have when we approach all these relationships. But then he gets into this idea of slaves and work and masters. Now, here's the deal. Paul starts out in his very first verse is talking about how, sh- how slaves should treat their masters. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're writing the book of Colossians, what would you say to a bunch of slaves? Like, run! <laughs> like, get out of there! Hit the Underground Railroad! Get free! Give me! Give us free! So you would... You and I would be like, you need to get out of there. You you, you are meant to be free in Christ. And you're not a slave. And you need to be free. And you know what Paul tells them to do? He says, I want you to work and do it well. Not just when your, your masters are watching you so you can gain favor with them. But no, no, no. Actually, like, work with honor and reverence. That's not what I would have said. Like, if God said, Todd, you get to write some scripture. like Whatever you want to say, just go for it. I wouldn't have said that i be like, get out of there. And then at the end of this, he talks to masters. Now, if you were to talk to a master and tell him anything in scripture, what would you tell him? Like, repent, let them people go. Don't be a slave master. Don't, you know, do you know what Paul actually says to him? He says, treat them right and fair. So you're like, wait a minute. Slaves are supposed to work and do it with honor and reverence. And masters are supposed to just treat. Yeah, he doesn't say what you and I would probably say. And sandwiched right in the middle is this big, huge, mind-changing idea about how you and I, because most of us, I'm going to say most of us, we're not slaves, are we? Like nobody in here, I'll get you free. We're not slaves. And any of us in here, we're not masters either. I'll get you free too. So we're not, now like some of you might be bosses, And you might feel like a master at times, but you're not. You're just a boss. And some of you are are, are like at the lowest rung of employment and you feel like slaves, but you're not. We're all somewhere in the middle and right in the middle of these two big ideas, Paul lays out these truths. Colossians chapter three, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Leave this on the screen. Go back to this one. This right here has a lot packed into it, doesn't it? Notice he starts, everybody say that word right there. Whatever. Like, like, whatever you do. Like, whatever. Because some of you think, like, right now you have a terrible job. Like, when I said who out there has a crap job, you were thinking about your current employment. Like, you don't know what I do, Todd. Like, whatever I do. Like, I, I don't have a cool job. I don't have a fun job. I don't have a meaningful job. I mean, I type... I answer phone calls, I type up papers, I pull a lever, I do, I sell stuff. Like it's not that big of a deal. But he says, whatever you do, everybody say whatever. Whatever. And whatever means what? Whatever. He's not limiting it to your dream job. Do you notice that? He doesn't say, hey, look, when you finally get where you dreamed about being, when that jerk of a boss is finally gone and you get to take his position, booyah, there it is. He doesn't say any of that. He says no matter where you're at on the totem pole, no matter what job you currently have, whether it's at Blockbuster, whether it's, it's vacuuming movie theaters, whether it's, oh, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever you do, not the perfect job and not the dream job, just the job. Whatever one that we are fortunate to have at this current moment. He just says whatever. So he says whatever you do, I want to work, I want you to work at it with what? With all your heart. Okay. Todd, you don't clearly know what I do for a living. Because he, here's what he's saying. He says, I want you to put your heart into it. I want you to actually do everything you can to put your heart into it, to be great at it, to be excellent at it, to do well at it. I don't care if it's the most menial task in the world. I want you to have a little bit of passion for it, even though that there is nothing exciting at all. Whatever you do, do with all your heart. As working for who? The Lord. See, the problem that you and I run into is many times we cannot get over the mental hurdle of, Todd, you don't know who I work for either because my boss is a jerk or my boss is unethical or my boss doesn't even care and my boss this and my boss that. And we have all these reasons why we are able to justify just kind of working for ourselves. Isn't that kind of the trap that we fall into? And this is why we end up losing passion for our job. This is why we start mailing it in. Because think about it, as long as you're working for a man, There's not a lot of motivation in that. Even if you're working for yourself, your motivation is selfish in nature and will eventually begin to corrupt your heart. And this is, let me give you some examples. When you work for men or you work for yourself, this is what it's gonna look like. Are you ready? I'm gonna give you some ideas. Um, If you're working unto men, you will do as little as possible without getting caught. Isn't that true? Like just the minimum, like I just, just as, you know, as a matter of fact, if you used to watch Seinfeld back in the day, George Costanza was the king of not working at his job and he would hide under his desk or he would come up with all these ways of delegating or getting rid of and he was the funniest character. As a matter of fact, he came up with a thing where he believed that as long as you walked quickly, looked mad and talked to yourself, people would just assume that you were busy doing something. Now, how many of you have ever done that at work, just tried to look busy, just tried to make it appear as though, and then when they come by your computer, you just throw the the mouse in the upper right corner so your screen flashes, or you click, you know, there's buttons, a little command this, that you can click to make, you know, a spreadsheet pop up real quick, and you do, why? Because I hate my job, and this is dumb, I don't want to do it, I don't want to be here. As a matter of fact, there's an old old movie called, uh, called um, Office Space, and, and, and basically the guy is meeting with some consultants and he goes, well, tell me about your job. And he's like, well, basically I come in and for about the first hour, I just zone out and don't do anything. <laughs> After that, I begin to work, but I do about an hour's worth of work and it takes me about three hours to get it done because I just kind of waste my time because really there's no incentive for me to work harder because if I work harder, I don't make any more money and it doesn't benefit me in any way. After lunch, I come back and basically repeat that cycle where I basically just zone out for about an hour and then I go back and do about an hour's worth of work. And he was being honest with these consultants. It's just this funny moment, but that's how it is when you work for men. Number two is this, you appear to be very busy. Number three, if you're working as unto yourself, you talk as though you are indispensable to the company. We've never done that before. Hey, this is also, when when we work for ourselves, we take credit for as many ideas as possible, even if they are not our own. Have you ever been in a work environment like that? where some guy just backdoored you, some girl just just absolutely got it, it took advantage of you and took credit for your idea and drove you crazy. You jockey for position and you step on others to get ahead. Why? This is the type of work environment. When you're working for yourself, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's you gotta get yours. You gotta get your own. You gotta make it happen. You gotta work hard. It doesn't matter. You gotta kick butt and take names later. You gotta just go for it with all your heart for yourself. Paul says that's not how we work. And you don't work as unto men, because if you're working unto men, there's no motivation to work there either. So what does he say to do? If we could go back to the verse, he says, I want you, no matter what you're doing, I want you to work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Just to put a total, I want you to work as if you're working for the Lord. And some of you out there saying, Todd, you don't get it. You're a pastor. You actually work for the Lord. It is easy for you to get up here and say, work for the Lord. You work for Jesus, Todd. And here's the, here's the problem with it is you have all of a sudden disconnected the original idea is that God designs you for work and God takes delight when you do your work well. You've all of a sudden divorced those ideas. You've separated those ideas and we got lost and we got discouraged and we got angry and we got cynical and we started mailing it in or we started stepping on other people. Why? Because we lost sight of this one big truth that we weren't to work as unto people or unto ourselves. We were supposed to work as unto, as unto the Lord. Next verse says this. Since you know now some of y'all didn't know this apparently he thought these people knew this since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward oh this changes everything do you see what he just dropped on you he just dropped on you this idea that what you do at your seemingly crummy job has eternal ramifications did you notice that Like he just dropped the spiritual bomb on you. He played the God card on you. He said, you need to know this. When you're working at your seemingly crummy job or seemingly insignificant job, you need to know that the Lord is watching and the Lord actually is going to give you a reward and an inheritance for how well you do that seemingly crummy or insignificant job. So I don't want you to just, I want you to know that eternity is hanging in the balance, that there's something going on here. So here's the question that we go to. What would it look like if tomorrow you go to work and your attitude was totally changed and your mind was totally renewed and you didn't go there to work for yourself and you didn't go there to work for a paycheck and you didn't even go there to work for the boss man, boss man being. But you went to work as unto the Lord. What would your day look like? Like how would it begin? How would you roll out of bed? How would you, how would you clock in or check in? And what would be the, the, the difference on your job site? Because what what Paul is telling us is this, is that you need to know how you do your job, not necessarily where. I don't think God cares as much where you do your job. And he doesn't even care nearly as much how much you make as how you do the job that you have. Because you're not working for them, you're working for who? The Lord. And he's gonna give you a roar. And he just caps on the end and said, for it is the Lord Christ you are serving. All right, here's four big ideas that we're gonna walk away with. Are you ready? Number one is this. Just based on what Paul said here. Your work has eternal implications, even if it has no eternal value. Because you're like, I answer phones. I, I file paper. I, I, I pull a lever. I sell stuff. I help other people sell stuff, Todd. Like, you know, if I were working, because isn't that the big excuse is that many times we think, well, well, if I were in ministry, if I were a missionary, Todd, that would be true. You know, maybe if I were a doctor, I was saving lives. or was, what, what if I was doing something like, maybe I was a counselor, and we come up with all these job ideas that we said, wow, if I did that, I would really be making a difference. And God says, no, you're already making a difference. You're making a difference to me. See, what you do, even if it has no seeming eternal value, it still has eternal implications. Number two is this. It's how you perform your work is more important than where you perform your work. Isn't that what Paul's success is saying? You, you remember the movie City Slickers. That was a great movie. City Slickers. Billy Crystal starts out, and does anybody remember what his original job was? Selling air. I don't know who said it. Selling air. Like he gets up in front of his kids' classroom as they have like Father Day, and they come in and tell about their jobs, and he goes, well, I sell air. And all the kids thought his job was a terrible job. And he had to explain to him that he worked for a radio station, and as working for a radio station, he sold air time for people to sell their stuff. And it was in that moment that he had this kind of like, you know, personal epiphany. I think it was a midlife crisis, really, that like my job has no eternal value and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And he goes on to just check out and then leave and go on this, like I said, this kind of adventure to try to find himself. But what, what the Bible actually teaches is that God doesn't watch necessarily. It doesn't care if you sell air. He tell, he cares how you sell air, with what way, with what, with what, what type of attitude, with what type of Response to your workers, to your bosses, to the people that you work for. That's what matters to him. Number three is this. How you perform is just as important as how you behave. See, in Christianity, we we sometimes fall back on the character card. And don't get it twisted, that is highly, highly, highly of the utmost importance. But one time, sometimes what we'll do is this, is we will sit in our cubicle and we'll have our little Christian cards up and our Christian bumper stickers up and we'll take bathroom breaks and we'll go pray and all that's great. But if you are a lousy employee, you are doing yourself no good. Like it is not enough to to, to go and, and, and read your Bible on your break time and be a sloppy employee. It does you no good to roll into the parking lot 15 minutes late with a Christian bumper sticker on it. Does that make sense? It does you no good to try to share with your fellow employees and your friends at work about Jesus and yet you're known as being the laziest worker in the entire place. It's doing you no good. God actually cares about how you work just as much as he cares about how you to be. Does he want you to operate with the utmost integrity and the utmost honesty? Absolutely. But he also wants you to like perform and perform well. Number four is this, is that putting your heart into your work allows God to bless your work. Now, real quick question. This is an easy question. How many of you want God to bless your work? Yeah, you do. And, and see, here, here's, here's what I get all the time as a pastor and as a counselor. I get people that come to me and say, Pastor, you know, my marriage is kind of rough. I really want God to bless my marriage. What do I need to do? And you know what I do? I start showing them scripture. I start giving them biblical ideas and biblical, biblical principles because I know that if they really, really want God to bless their marriage, they need to do marriage God's way, don't they? That's kind of a a no-brainer. And I have people that come to me all the time, and their finances are a wreck, and their finances are good. And you know what I tell them? I'm like, you know what? If you really want God to bless your finances, it is really, really hard to get God to bless your finances when you keep doing your finances contrary to what God has said. This is the biblical way, or the right way, or the divine way to handle your finances. And we go all down the list, whether it's parenting, whether it's our finances, whether it's our marriage, any arena of life, and we all come to the same conclusion. We need to do it God's way. I'm going to give you this big hint. If you want God to bless your work, then you need to do work and approach work God's way man this is quiet up here in this Methodist church today I don't know if this was just a point of of like ooh, I needed to hear this I actually shared this with um one of our children's workers who was in class today and uh, you know he asked me like well tell me about the message and, and he came back to me later after me telling him, he's like pastor I want you to know like you just sharing that with me has so convicted me and so altered the way that I'm thinking and feeling because i got to be honest, that's the way I felt about my job for a long time now. And I realized, and here's why this is so important. Please, 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 please get this. For whatever reason, in whatever way, that I don't totally understand, we'll understand it when we get to heaven, but God measures how faithful you are with what God has given you and based on that, rewards you Eternally. As a matter of fact, check out the scripture in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. There's a very, very famous parable called the parable of the talents. He basically is looking at how these guys handled their work, handled their responsibility. And he says this, he says, he says to the guy that did really, really well, was really, really faithful with what God gave him. He goes, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what? Just a few things. Another translation says, little things. Seemingly inconsequential, seemingly insignificant things, things that everybody else would have been like, it's not that big of a deal. Just show up late, just call in sick, just mail it in, just do the least to get by, just do it for yourself. He says, when you're faithful with little things, I'll put you what? I'll put you in charge of many things. I think this has like now implications and eternal implications because many of us want God to basically promote us to help us to excel, to help us to do better, achieve better, get further, get more influence, gain more responsibility, get more income. And we want all those things. And here's the big heart-penetrating question we have to ask ourselves. How faithful am I with the seemingly insignificant job, the seemingly crummy job? And I gotta be honest, I've had some jobs where I wasn't always as faithful as I could have been. or I could have done a better job or I could have brought a better attitude. I could have performed at a higher level. And you know what? I think sometimes that that God is waiting on our character to catch up with our desires so he can make our dreams come true. When it comes to your work ethic, when it comes to your performance, when it comes to all these things, so here's the two questions that you need to ask yourself. What if I went to work, let's say just for tomorrow? Like, let's not even give it a week because a week is hard. Let's just say for tomorrow. What if we went to work tomorrow and we worked as unto the Lord? Can we try it one day? Because here, here's what I know about me and you. Is sometimes we'll hear sermons and we'll feel convicted or we'll feel inspired. And we'll go out of here. And sometimes it's short-lived, isn't it? I just want you to give this a shot for one day. What if one day I walked up into that cubicle, into that office, into that factory, into that place of employment, and for one day I just said, you know what, this is for the Lord. This is for Jesus. This is how I'm going to do this. Second question, and this is a big question. Could you still work at your job as unto the Lord? With a clear conscience. See, that's tough because there's a few of us that find ourselves in jobs where there's kind of a, a conflict of interest. It's like, well, we're a Christian, but we do this just to make some money. And some of us might need to take the really, really hard, the hard decision and take the hard path and say, you know what? I can't actually do this job. And I'm not saying you need to be a prostitute or a drug dealer to, to be in this situation. But some of us have, have job situations that contradict our values and do you even have a job that you can do with a clear conscience and say, God? because, you know, I mean, if you're out there doing something illegal, but I'm doing it for Jesus. You know, I'm a drug dealer, but I tithe. I, don't, I, I mean, there's a, there's a conflict of interest at some point here. Do you even have a job that you have a clear conscience about and can work as unto the Lord? And if those things are true, what, what would the future look like? What would it look like in our place of employment? How much better would our performance be if our attitude and our mind was renewed and our our brains were overhauled and we said, you know what, I'm working for the Lord. What would it do for us? The biggest time that I've ever been challenged in this personally is this, is is when I started out in ministry. When When you do ministry and you start out at a very, very young age, you always start out with the most menial task possible, And for me, you know, one of the most menial tasks that was given to me was I was in charge of all the chairs and every Wednesday night I would have to go in and set up all the chairs and at the end of the night I have to tear down the chairs and then I'd have to straighten the chairs. And I remember uh, my wife, she wasn't even my wife at the time, but she would come and no one would be there. We would be the last ones there. It would only be her and I. And we would be like eyeing up the rows and I would literally go down one row at a time, one row at a time. And she would just say, no, just a titch that way. Just to titch, no, no, to titch that way, titch that way, titch that way. And we would get it dead on a line, so it was just absolutely perfect. And this was the first area in my life where I was challenged. Todd, you can mail it in with these chairs. Nobody's going to say anything to you if they're just a little bit off. Nobody's going to give you a hard time if they're just a little bit off. But for whatever reason, something within me decided, you know what, I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. And it was in that moment that I decided to change my heart and say, you know what? I'm not doing this for my pastor. I'm not doing this for the church. I'm not doing this for my direct uh, supervisor, supervise. I, I, I'm doing this for the Lord because you know what? It's in these moments when there's not a camera on me and no boss is watching me, the Lord is always with me. And hopefully, just maybe, if I'll be faithful with stacking chairs and lining up chairs and putting up chairs and breaking down chairs, that it is in that moment that God will actually see my faithfulness. And the Bible's very clear that when He watches your faithfulness, even in the little things, that God seemingly moves you forward in life and especially in eternity and blesses you, and rewards you with much. Now here's what I know about you, and we'll close. Is you want God to entrust you with more. You want to be entrusted with more responsibility, with more influence, with more income, with more uh, whatever, with more eternal reward. You want that. So here's the challenge. Can we be faithful with little things? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you that God, you have not left us clueless, but you've given us some clear instruction. And God, we pray that we would walk out of this door and God, that our heart would be changed. If nothing more for the moment, God, for us to step into being faithful, being diligent, being a hard worker, showing up on time, sharp and ready to go, giving our absolute best. And God, we want to see what kind of things that you'll begin to do in our life. God, we pray that you reward faithfulness. We pray, God, that you would show up big in our job sites. We pray that because of this, God, you would give us incredible opportunities to connect with people and to have other people connect with you. God, we pray that we go to this place, God, and as we walk out of these doors, God, our mind would be changed. Our mind would be renewed. That, Lord God, we would see our work differently. God, we realize that you're always watching, that you're always with us, and that you take delight, not just where we work, but, God, actually how we work. God, let us take this into our day, into our life, Lord God. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thank you again for listening to Jubilee Tri-Valley's podcast. For more information on Jubilee Tri-Valley Church, please visit us online at jtvchurch.org.